Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're talking about living in the moment. So the main thing we're going to be referencing today, in addition to a couple other sources, will be an essay from the School of Life's The Book of Life. So the School of Life, The Book of Life are available online. Great resources. I have not read or seen all of their articles and YouTube videos, but I have a few books. I've enjoyed them. I've read a bunch of articles, watched a bunch of videos, and I would generally say this is a very good resource. So the essay we're looking at today is called Taking It One Day at a Time. So I want to share a few excerpts from this in addition to some other connections and hopefully some practices we can create around this idea, right? So one thing that I'll ask uh, us to think about immediately or initially is what percentage of your time do you spend thinking about the past? What percentage of your time do you spend thinking of the present? And what percentage of your time do you spend thinking about the future? So try to get some honest numbers there and then take a minute or two to write about each of those things, right? And talk about the quality of the thoughts, the intensity of the thoughts, right? And I ask to think about percentages because I think it's normal and healthy to think about all three, right? I, don't, I would never suggest that you live the entirety of your life only in the moment. Right? As much as I think a lot of what we'll talk about today and other episodes will be about how to live in the moment, how to you know, appreciate the day, that's really important. But I don't want to ever um, have you think I'm saying to not plan for the future or to not learn from the past. Those, we need to do those things, right? We're blessed as humans with powerful memories and we're blessed as humans with imaginations to think about the future. But those things can also become curses. So we have to learn how to interact with them, how we can control these thoughts, um, and make sure they're productive and healthy and true, right? So that being said, take a minute with that exercise with the percentages thing. Um, and let's get started with this essay, right? So a couple points in the essay that I initially want to raise are the notions that really most of what we want to achieve in life takes a while. So I think initially one might think, all right, well, then I have to be patient. And that's true, right? But for those of us who are not patient, I'm not patient at all. Um, I think working to live in the moment and take it one day at a time and find meaning on a daily basis and create meaning on a daily basis is actually sort of a way of being patient without being patient, right? And that, that sounds maybe a little bit weird, but that's how I look at this essay. This essay is a pathway to leading a more fulfilling life such that you have to consciously think less about being patient. So the School of Life opens up the essay with uh, some meditations on the fact that getting a degree, for example, um, writing a novel, having enough money to buy a house, finding a new career, all these things really, if you, if you kind of start out your day hoping you're going to move towards these things, the odds of them happening by that evening or even that week or that month or that year even, not great, right? So we have to learn how to grapple with this. We have this capacity as humans to see into the future, to have these great goals and visions. And then we have the tendency to let those things torture us because we don't take it one day at a time. So one, let's acknowledge that a lot of the good things that we'll have in life, hopefully, that we'll strive for, that are good things to have in our minds, right, um, aren't going to happen soon. And not only that, but it's okay. Right, so we can see these hopes and we could once again have a healthy relationship to them, which is what this essay, I think, among other things, talks about. So we'll get to that in a minute. Or we can allow them to make us feel bad about what we're doing today. So... For those of us who are bad at taking it one day at a time, it might likely be the case that we have some hopes and dreams that take us out of our present day, or at the very least, take us out of enjoying our present day, having a productive, meaningful day, because we're not there yet. 
So another quick exercise, right? Write down your long-term your long-term goals or your vision for your long-term life, like three to five years from now, whatever, and try to locate the stressors, right? R locate the doubts that make you nervous. Is another way to maybe look at that, right? Um, so for me, in all honesty, I'm always kind of a little bit stressed out about the uh, the long-term stability in academia, right? So one of my goals is to become a full-time professor, but I really don't want to leave. New York, uh, I would, or I would say I, I could stay in New York, New Jersey. I could do Jersey, but I really have to be close to the bridge though. I can't be too far away from my family or my barber. Those are two very important things, you know? So for me, I would like to stay close and that really limits my options. In all honesty, a lot of my colleagues at school finish up their doctorate. They go across the country to find work. I just can't do that. Um, mainly again for, for family and barber reasons. So for me, I get nervous about that. Right, and that'll be a long-term hope. That one, it's not even certain. There's, there's just it's there's so many uncertainties there. I didn't even finish my doctorate yet, which is also an uncertainty. I'm not gonna even get. It, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think out loud about this right now. But the bottom line is that'll sort of be on my mind, right? And I found that after reading this essay, after teaching it, it was helpful. One, so keep listening. Um, and two, when I really list that, right, because that's an intensely felt hope. I really would love to do that for a living. Okay. It's not going to happen for at least another year until I finish my doctorate. Then when I finish at a year, who knows, right? So my question to myself has to become, in my opinion, as per this essay, all right, so how can I, on a daily basis, fortify, strengthen myself and also strengthen or improve my chances of getting a job locally, right? So I can try to teach very well locally. I can work at more than one institution, which I do locally. I can network at these institutions I'm not good at that. I have to get better at that. Um, I can write more. I can publish. So these are all things that on a daily basis um, can sort of fuel a greater sense of calm in regards to these long, th this long-term hope, right? But it's definitely one, if I had to list my stressors about long-term hopes and, and dreams, or whatever, that would be one that definitely is not happening in the near, near future. That might not even happen in the long-term future, last thing I'm going to say about it. Um, that, that, will be, that would be on my mind, right? So all that I can do in the face of that long-term uncertain hope is to take it one day at a time if I want to be feeling like my life is fulfilling and enjoy, uh, you know, and enjoy things. Now, on the other side of that, I can adopt the mentality of constantly hoping. And then when we hope and then we wake up the next day and nothing changes, we become unhappy, right? So we have to confront our hopes, honestly, and understand that excessive amounts of hope, especially excessive amounts of hope that do not translate into action, right? And action can only happen in the moment. And sound, effective action is only occurring when we're really focused on what we're doing, right? Which also requires a different type of consciousness than one that's distracted with thoughts of the future or pushed and pulled by hopes. Uh, especially in the face of uncertainty, right? So before we move even further into this essay, which now we're just getting this initial, I think, great point on, look, a lot of stuff we're hoping for isn't happening today or tomorrow anyway. And that could torture us, right? It's a great quote from Nikos Kazantzakis. Um, I hope for nothing. I fear nothing. I am free. So if we're hoping for something, that might lead us down into a path of fear, right? Because then it's like, well, I hope I get it. But if I don't, then all of a sudden you're afraid of it not happening, right? And I think I am free, you know, is like I'm free from being tortured by hope and fear. 
I'm so living in the moment. I'm so allowing myself to be full by what is occurring at this very moment. This is enough for me to enjoy speaking right now. The, the coffee I had before this, the music I'm listening to as I'm speaking, right? I need to work on turning my gaze to the moment and not in a hopeful way saying, I'll be happy when I get the job, for my example, or I'll be happy when I meet the right person, or I'll be happy when I get the house, or when, wait a minute, we can shift our consciousness by taking it one day at a time. What can this moment offer me? What can I make right now? What can today be? What can I learn today? What can I add to the world today? These are better questions, right? So I think Gazadzakis, who also wrote, which I'm reading this now, so I can't fully recommend it yet because I haven't finished it, but Zorba the Greek, great book. And the main character, Zorba, kind of lives like this. He's very much in the moment. He'll just enjoy, really enjoy a piece of fruit. He'll really enjoy a conversation. He'll enjoy playing his instrument. And he does things on his own terms, right? So a lot, lot more to be said about that book. But just right now, I mean, really enjoying things is something that we'll also see come up in this essay um, that I think is a powerful antidote to having our attention and our emotions and thinking drawn to the future when it shouldn't be, right? So the next thing the essay presents to us is the idea of like, okay, so maybe we have a tendency to be tortured by our hopes for the future that aren't happening all that soon, right? We're angry we aren't there yet. We're uncertain and afraid that it won't happen. We're hoping and that leads to fear. Okay, well, when do we live in the moment? And unfortunately, as, as per the essay, and I, I think I agree with this, um, we only really live in the moment when things are going wrong. When there's some type of tragedy happening, right? And someone asks us how things are going, we're more likely to say we're taking it one day at a time, right? Or when someone's elderly, the example in the essay I think is great here too, they'll say that they're taking it one day at a time. And this reminds me of, of my grandmother, who thank God, knock on wood, is very healthy, um, who's in her upper 80s now. And she'll say like every day is a gift. And that's a beautiful way to live, right? One of the topics we'll, we'll talk about um, on this podcast a lot is the stoic idea of memento mori, right? So when you remind yourself that you're not here forever, the days kind of take on a different energy. They start feeling like gifts, right? Because when we get older, of course, you know, it's tough to talk about, but things inherently get more uncertain in terms of if we wake up the next day. So the idea that it's a gift just to wake up, of course, that makes life more meaningful, right? So the essay is pointing to that, I think, in a really nice way. Memento more, there's a lot of reasons for that. Again, we'll get to more as we encounter different topics. We might even have a whole episode on memento more. Why memento more? But this, I think, strikes strikes that sort of um, that energy, if you will, right? We're taking it one day at a time. Implies almost memento more for me, in a way. So here we are, right? Those are scenarios. How are things going? in this rough aspect of your life, right? For example, maybe you, you sustain some kind of injury, right? I was taking one day at a time with the recovery, right? So why not adopt this mentality? When we're, let's say healthy and when things are going seemingly very well and we're youthful, okay? Those scenarios that the essay talks about of again, maybe some extreme scenarios, or again, just being elderly, there is valuable teaching there for anyone with a tendency to ignore their own advantages. That is for all of us. One day at a time thinking reminds us that in many cases, our greatest enemy is that otherwise critical nectar, hope, and the perplexing emotion it tends to bring with it, impatience.
By limiting our horizons to tonight, we are girding ourselves for the long haul and remembering that an improvement may best be achieved when we manage not to await it too ardently. That lesson is to me is very meaningful and also connects to an interesting practice, right? If you're anyone, if, or if you're someone who keeps journals at all, right? I, I'm, I'm hoping to encourage that we do that a little bit as a result of our work together, um, as, as a result of listening to this podcast, right? Self-writing has a hugely philosophical um, basis, right? And we look back to ancient schools of philosophy, they were huge on self-writing. Self-writing in the morning, in the middle of the day, at night, ways of keeping ourselves accountable, ways of creating positive intentions, ways of creating gratitude, ways of getting shit out of our heads so we can examine it more clearly. Um, I mean, just a lot, lot of, there's a lot of richness there, right? Um, one of the coolest experiences for me is I keep a lot of my self-writing journals and I would discover like these lists of things I wanted to do in journals that I wrote like a year ago. I, I would write, down, write them down and forget about it. And then sometimes if I'm just like cleaning up my apartment or whatever, or I'll find even like little pieces of just scratch paper with ideas on them. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about this and it ended up happening anyway. Right? Because I, I think there's power in sitting down, writing about a vision or a goal so authentically that you don't have to visit it that often. You just start living it. And then you live it one day at a time, small tasks, small progress, and then it happens, and then you kind of just bump into the idea again. And that, again, just sort of made me think of this, right? Because if we're, if we're so busy hoping, and the word ardently is, is important here, right? It's like if we're so focused, so intense on this goal, especially when that, again, is going to take a while, it blinds us. It blinds us and prevents us from seeing the joy in doing the small tasks. So we don't want to do that. Right? Hope, if it's excessive, gets in the way of enjoying the moment. Because hope also implies a deficit, right? Wishing implies there's something now that I'm not, well, there's something now that's missing. We don't want to always feel like that. Right? So we want to fight that urge. Okay? We want to ward that off a little bit. And focus on steadfastness, right? So every day, day in, day out, doing the small things that are required of these larger goals and enjoying them, right? Taking it, this is back to the essay for a minute, taking it day by day means reducing the degree of control we expect to be able to bring to bear on the uncertain future. It means recognizing that we have no serious capacity to exercise our will on a span of years and should not therefore disdain a chance to secure one or two minor wins in the hours ahead of us. That's the key right there. That's what I was talking about a moment ago with the large goal will blind us to the importance and the potential meaning and joy and fulfillment we could get out of the small ones. We need small wins. This is also why self-writing is so important in any context, right? And I, I use one example here that I think works nicely. You want to get in better shape, right? It takes a while, just for argument's sake, to lose 10 pounds. It's going to take a while. So why not let yourself feel good about eating a healthy breakfast and writing it down? Why not let yourself feel good about working out three times that week? And not only that, but write down how you worked out and then see, like compete with yourself. See how the next time you can improve. You have evidence here, right? That's a minor win, but it's something we should celebrate. Okay? And on that note, back to the essay, we should, from a new perspective, conduct ourselves, and I'm sorry, count ourselves, immensely grateful if, by nightfall, there have been no further arguments, no more seizures, if the rain has let off, and we have found one or two interesting pages to read. So there's no catastrophe, and we've learned a little bit. We've grown a little bit. Maybe we've challenged ourselves a little bit. We need ways to check in 
on that development. Once again, back to a self-writing practice. And maybe that's not something we're considering now, although I think we should be. Either way, I think shifting our gaze and trying to live life like this could also just be very helpful in and of itself, right? Even if we don't accompany it with a writing practice. What's the smallest win I could get today is a really good question. And I'm feeling good about that and doing that day in, day out, right? There's a book called Atomic Habits that I'm also kind of reading right now. Um, and a great quote from that is, we don't rise to our goals, we fall to our systems. So those are the daily habits. The goal is relevant because I think it could pull us forward, but it really isn't that relevant because goals don't happen unless we have systems, which is to say habits in place that get us towards the goal. And we should love those systems. We should create joy around those systems one day at a time, right? As, as life as a whole grows more complicated, we can remember to unclench and smile a little along the way. That's feeling good about the small wins, right? Instead of, again, yearning for this finale or this moment, right, that once again will just pass because that's what all moments do. We can turn a different type of gaze to our day, ask new questions like some of those I mentioned earlier. Okay, we can stoop to accept with fresh gratitude a few of the minor gifts that are already within our grasp. This is a great reference, I think, maybe to, to Marcus Aurelius, right? Who in his meditations encourages himself to dig within himself. Right? He literally, again, in his meditations, he's writing for himself. Never thought it would be published or shared. He's telling himself, dig within yourself. Look internally. Within that process, within you, through that process, there are gifts to be found. There's strength to be found. Don't look for the external achievement. Again, like we said earlier, buying the house, getting the degree. Find that there's achievements to be sort of celebrated today with the small tasks that you have greater control over. And this idea too is beautiful. We might look with fresh energy, freshness, right? We want to encourage that, to notice things. Take a minute right now. This is great. I don't know if we have any Pablo Neruda fans, but he was huge on writing odes, right? So to, in order to confront, and we're going to talk about Van Gogh in a minute doing this, to confront the things that we may be ignoring, write an ode, a short poem to something you use every day and appreciate it gratefully, right? Express that gratitude. Maybe, it's a, maybe you like poetry, write an ode. Maybe you don't like poetry. Maybe as Van Gogh did, right? When the essay is referring to Van Gogh, he was in a mental health facility and, you know, he was basically grappling with some very serious emotions, right? And a part of his recovery was going out into the garden and seeing nature's beauty, right? This, this essay provides um, a really nice painting of his, which I'll reference in a moment here. Um, that's of a flower. So that's somebody who really encouraged himself, forced himself to sit and examine the beauty of, of this thing, right? So we're talking here about the still life, vase with irises against a yellow background. So maybe your example of that is a window in your home or a chair you sit on or a pen you use every day. Take a moment, appreciate these things. Okay, he's asking us at the end of this essay, I think, really nicely to engage with natural beauty in a more meaningful way, to not be, let's say, asleep or numb to these things. I would even say that I would extend the natural beauty to also person-made beauties, 
Why not? Right? And he says, and so natural beauty may take on a different hue, no longer a petty distraction from a mighty destiny. Again, this mighty destiny is this vision we have for ourselves. And we just literally move through the world, natural world, person-made world, whatever, ignoring it. Not a good idea, right? No longer an insult to ambition, but a genuine pleasure amidst a litany of troubles, an invitation to bracket anxieties and keep self-criticism at bay, a small resting place for hope in a sea of disappointment, a proper consolation for which one is finally ready on an afternoon walk to be appropriately grateful, which is, of course, what Van Gogh was doing, right? Walking in the garden and increasing his gratitude. And through that gratitude, he made art. With that gratitude, he made a beautiful painting, right? So for me, I think about this, and I'm not sure obviously where everybody lives, but one of my biggest examples of this in my personal life was, and still is, the uh, the pier in Long Island City, right? That's nature, it's natural beauty with the water, and it's also person-made beauty with the buildings. The turf area is really nice. The sand area is great. Dog park, human park. It's a really nice place to go for a run, and that's what I would do there, right? So for me, again, we want to have habits in this concept of taking in this context of taking it one day at a time that encourage us to stop hoping stop fearing and as van gogh did he made a painting right that painting also made him when he was sitting there right that's a great camus quote i don't love you i don't love your paintings i love you painting van gogh grappling with his own emotions his own you know sense of despair perhaps right he sat and did that he made something beautiful but he also made a self right? He relaxed when he did that. He was feeling grateful when he did that. He was moving and engaged with the world and himself when he was doing that. That must have been therapeutic for him. Artist therapy is a really cool idea. So when I would go to LIC to run, right, it would be in this engagement, again, with the beauty of the world around me. And when I was running, I was, I was becoming healthier. I was becoming stronger. I was able to think more clearly in movement through motion, right? So all these things connect, The last line of this essay also is, is beautiful, I think. Re referring to Van Gogh here, right? In his hands, these became like the totemic symbols of a new religion oriented towards a celebration of the transcendent beauty of the everyday. The transcendent beauty of the everyday. That's a really cool idea in my opinion. We should not ignore these things is I think one of the main sort of resonating points of this essay. And when we're so blinded by what we want of the future, we're so blinded by our hopes, we're fearful that things might not go our way, we're not free to do this. We're not free to live fully. We're blinding ourselves. We're holding ourselves back from living. Again, because we're holding ourselves back from engaging in the moment, which is the only way we really can live. You can't live tomorrow. It's impossible. You can't live yesterday. You can only live now. So let's find those narratives maybe of hopes or of hoping that aren't healthy for us. And let's try to create habits on a daily basis that help us take it one day at a time, help us make life meaningful one day at a time, help us create stronger, healthier, more just, more truthful versions of ourselves one day at a time. And as Marcus really has said, right, dig within yourself on a daily basis to see that you can ask new questions of the day and those answers and that meaning you pursue can really be healthy for you. And I leave you here with one more quote by Marcel Proust, which I love, right? The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes.
That's the whole thing right there. I wake up in my apartment, same apartment every day. I take the same walk to get to my coffee every day. And I want to, on that walk, grapple with how that's amazing. I want to feel good about that. So maybe it's taking a moment to cultivate gratitude. Maybe it's taking a moment to engage with a question that's going to drive me to see the importance of that, right? That being that walk from bedroom to kitchen. We can train ourselves to have new eyes. I think a part of it is maybe examining what this essay offered to us, right? Opening ourselves up to our daily lives and seeing that there's beauty there. There's progress there. There are challenges there that will be meaningful for us if we confront them. There are small minor wins, as the essay said, that we can celebrate, that we should celebrate. And we can stop looking so much to the future. We can instead look, look at the day. So hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.